I have to quit singing so many good songs, I'm going to lose my voice before I get up here. But that's a good thing. It's a great time of worship this morning. When I was young, I used to think the greatest thing in the world would be to own a time machine. Anybody used to wish they owned a time machine? Anybody still wish they had one? You know what you do with it? Maybe go to the horse races with the list of winners. You, you can tell I hadn't thought much about it. But I thought it'd be great to go back in time, knowing what I know now, and live life with uncertainties removed. There have been a lot of popular movies and, and books written about time travel. When I was growing up, uh, one of the most popular was the, the 80s classic Back to the Future. Anybody seen Back to the Future? Remember this movie? In this movie, you have Marty McFly, played by a, a young Michael J. Fox, who is a, just a typical teenager from the 80s who is accidentally sent back in time to 1955 in a plutonium-powered DeLorean car invented by the, the mad and crazy scientist Dr. Emmett Brown, who's played by Christopher Lloyd. And uh, in the movie... He, he thinks he's saving his dad from being hit by a car, and what he ends up doing is disrupting his parents' meeting and falling in love. So for the rest of the movie, what he, what he spends the rest of his time doing is trying to get his parents to meet for the first time so that, of course, he can go back and back to the future. And it's just a fun, fun 80s movie, but, but one of the points of, of this movie is having the ability... To go back in time is not always what it's cracked up to be, is it? But sometimes we wish we could have a time machine, don't we? So we could go back in time because we don't like uncertainties. We wish we could live life with uncertainties removed. We think we know, if we know what's going to happen next, we're going to be happy. We're going to have joy. And as I talked about last week, we're, we're studying through the book of Philippians, and Philippians is all about joy and how to experience joy in this life. But, but not just that, how to experience joy in unlikely circumstances and in, and in unlikely ways. And we talked last week about the fact that Paul is in prison, and he's writing to the Christians at Philippi, and he's uncertain about whether or not he's going to live or die, and he's writing about joy. And that's why I've entitled this series of sermons, Joy from a Jailhouse. And today we're going to continue, and what we're going to learn today in the text today is there were a lot of uncertainties surrounding Paul and his ministry, but we learned that he is experiencing joy in the midst of this uncertain circumstance. And my prayer this morning is as we examine Paul, and we examine Paul's perspective this morning, that you too will learn how to find joy in the midst of uncertain and difficult circumstances. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians. We're going to be uh, looking at verses 12 through 19 this morning on how to experience joy through uncertainty. First, way to experience joy through uncertainty. 
See the God side of a difficult circumstance. See the God side of a difficult circumstance. Look at verse 12. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really happened to advance, has served to advance the gospel. See, the Philippians were concerned for two reasons. Number one, Paul was their friend, right? We talked about last week how Philippians, we can tell through the book that he had a very close bond, a close relationship with the Christians at Philippi. So in one way, they're worried about Paul and his well-being. But secondly, they're also worried about what's going to be the future of things. What's going to happen to the ministry? Because Paul, the greatest missionary to ever live, has been taken out of the game. He's been in prison. So what's going to happen? So they send one of their own to go to be with Paul, to serve alongside him. They send a gift along with him to comfort Paul, but also to receive word on what's going on. So Paul sends him back with this letter to the Philippians. And this is what he said. By the, by the time of this writing, you have to understand that Paul had been in prison close to two years. So him being sidelined, him being out of the game to the Philippians was like Michael Jordan leaving the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls are never the same, were they? They've never been the same since Michael left. And that's the way they, they kind of looked at Paul. Will the ministry ever be the same without Paul? And Paul sends back word. He sends back some good news and, and some not so good news, some uncertain news. But he said, he sends back and he says, I don't know what's going to happen to me. It's kind of uncertain as he, as he talks about in this passage here. But he says, one thing that is good is that God is using this situation, my imprisonment, to advance the gospel. So he assured them. There, there was... There was uh, uh, difficulty here. He was uncertain about whether or not he was going to live or die, but his imprisonment, God was using to spread the gospel. When we go through difficult circumstances, how do we respond? How do you respond in the midst of difficulty? Oftentimes, when difficult circumstances come, we immediately think about all the negative ways that it'll affect us. Anybody do this? Ask my wife. I'm the world's worst at doing it. When uncertainty comes, we, we don't even have bad news yet. And I'm beginning to think, oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to affect me in this way, this, this, and this. And one thing the enemy wants more than anything is for you to ruin an opportunity to make much of God in a difficult circumstance. My brother, is he lives in Louisville, and he goes to church at, at the Village Church. Anybody familiar with the Village Church? It's a big church there in Dallas. Uh, Matt Chandler is the pastor, and, and this past Thanksgiving, while he was with his family, he blacked out, and they had to rush him to the emergency room, and after running some tests, they found a, a mass on his frontal lobe. And they went in and they, they operated and they, they determined that it was malignant. And he's now uh, going through chemotherapy. But my brother sent me a video. He, but before he had his surgery, he, he filmed the video and sent it out to his church. And I want to share with you some of the things that he shared with his church because I think it pertains to what we're talking about right here. 
He says this, even though I would love more than anything to grow, to be an old man and to, to watch my kids grow up and to walk my daughter down the aisle, he says, I rejoice in the fact that I get to show you that none of that is better than Jesus. Wow. He said, we've rejoiced and we've made much of God in the many victories that we've had at the Village Church. But he said, now I rejoice in the fact that I get to show you how to rejoice and make much of God in the midst of suffering. Wow, what a perspective to have. He's not ruining his opportunity, is he? He truly sees the God side of his difficult circumstance. May that be true of us. May that be true of us. So see the God side of a difficult circumstance. Second, you want to experience joy through uncertainty? Remain faithful in uncertain times. Verse 13. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So Paul was down, but he wasn't completely out, was he? Paul's never completely out of the game. If Paul's breathing, he's continuing the ministry, isn't he? So he's down, but he's not completely out. Reminds me of a movie. Uh, have any of y'all, y'all will know that I'm a big movie guy. I reference a lot of movies here. But have any of y'all seen The Natural? With Robert Redford. He's the fictional character, Roy Hobbs. And he's on the fast track to the major leagues fast track to be one of the greatest baseball players ever. That's his goal. That's a pretty big goal, isn't it? But while he's on his way to the big leagues, he gets mixed up in the wrong situation, ends up getting shot and gets sidetracked from the game for years and years. But he's continuing to work and eventually he makes it to the major leagues, but he's real old now. And he has a great baseball season, but, but only, only to be sidelined again at the end by the same injury. And at the end of the movie, he tells those who think that he's finished and that he's not going to play again, that his plan, no matter what, is to swing away. Man, it's one of those powerful moments in the movie. My plan is to swing away. And man, that's Paul. He's down in a way in that he's confined to a prison but he's definitely not out. While in prison, we talked about last week, Paul had the freedom to uh, preach and to teach and to write while we're in Romans, which we're thankful for, right? Because we have some great books during his time, Ephesians and Colossians and others. But he makes mention in verse 13 that he has remained faithful to the cause of Christ by making him known in his chains. He says... It has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. This is the the elite troops that were housed in the emperor's palace and to everyone else. That could be anybody. Maybe people in the palace, other believers, people who came to visit Paul, other members of the Jewish community. He said, I have made known to all these people that my imprisonment is for Christ. So Paul wasn't really out of commission, was he? They tried to keep Paul down, but Paul kept swinging away. 
And it's interesting, you look at Paul's ministry, everywhere Paul ended up, whether by force or by choice or by leading of the Spirit, that's where Paul's ministry continued. There was a preacher in the 4th century, one of the great preachers in Christian history. His name was John Chrysostom. And he was such a great preacher that a hundred years after his life, they nicknamed him Golden Mouth. It's kind of an interesting name, isn't it? But just the words he spoke were just good as gold. What a, what a great uh, nickname to have, Golden Mouth. But he came to, he, he came to be the bishop in Constantinople toward the, uh, about 398, toward the end of 300 A.D. And during this time when he came in, there was a lot of corruption in the church. A lot of church leaders were just power-hungry, money-hungry, and Chrysostom didn't like it. So when he takes, when, when he begins to preach, he, when he starts his ministry there, he just begins to preach against corruption and calling for these church leaders and these Christians to live more in line with the Word of God. Let me ask you, do you think they liked it? Think they said, hey, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm a dirty sinner. I better get my life right. You think that's what they said? No, they exiled him. Get him out of here. They kicked him out of Constantinople. And you know what happened when he got kicked out? Riots began in the streets. So much so that they had to bring him back. And do you think Chrysostom just said, I'm going to kind of hang back. That brought got me killed. Think he said that? No, he goes right back into the pulpit and begins to preach against corruption and the fact that these church leaders need to be more in line with the Word of God. You know what happened? He gets exiled again. And he ends up dying in exile. And I know that sounds like, oh, that's a horrible end. But because of his faithfulness in uncertain times is the reason why his life now echoes through the halls of history. He didn't waste his opportunity, did he? And Paul's enemies, man, they certainly hoped that it would do the trick. Maybe if we just put Paul in prison, just shut him up in a certain way, we can stop this spread of the gospel. But you know what? Paul continues to be faithful. And he informs the Philippians that, that his imprisonment has served to spread the gospel all the more. You know, oftentimes when we go through difficulties in life, we do one of two things. One, we gripe about it. Or two, we just kind of, we just kind of grin and bear it. You know, try to make it through it. But when we do one of those two things, you know what happens? Faithfulness gets put on hold. When you go through difficult times in life, does your faithfulness to God get put on hold? Are you faithful to God in the good times and then just idle spiritually when you go through difficulty? Early on in my, uh, in, in, in my Christian walk, I was just, man, I was going strong. Things were going good, and I was just growing by leaps and bounds, and then I uh, have a back injury, and I have to go in and have surgery. And the first surgery didn't go well, so about eight days later, I had to go back into the hospital for a second surgery, and I was there for a while. 
I actually woke up from surgery and I couldn't feel anything from the neck down and I just thought, I really, my, my body is just really messed up. And I was young. It was about 10 years ago and I, I got severely depressed. And I began to think I'm never going to be able to do what guys my age do. And my spiritual life got put on a shelf. And I had to ask forgiveness for that, for the way I handled that, because I truly squandered an opportunity to make much of God in a difficult circumstance. But you know what? Paul didn't miss a beat. He remained faithful in uncertain times and because he realized this, get this, Paul realized that his current circumstances were not as important as what he did with them. His current circumstances were not as important as what he did with them. He wasn't even concerned about the outcome, as we'll learn next week, as much as he was how he was faithful in the midst of those difficult times. And you know what it showed? You know what showed through Paul's faithfulness in times of uncertainty? That he truly believed what he preached. How you act in trying circumstances will reflect what you believe. And you know what will happen? Whether good or bad, you know what will happen in those outcomes when you're faithful in the uncertain times, the difficult times? One, your faith will grow stronger. But number two, so will the faith of those watching you go through difficulty. Read verse 14. Paul says, And most of the brothers, having become more confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. So, so not only was the gospel being spread through Paul directly because of his faithfulness in continuing the, the ministry while he's locked up in chains, but so is the gospel being spread indirectly by those watching Paul go through that difficult circumstance and watching him suffer well and watching him remain faithful in the uncertain times. And they watch Paul go through that, and they're empowered. And they go out and continue on in ministry. We may not be in prison, uncertain about whether or not we're going to live or die, but we have difficulties, don't we? We have plenty of opportunities to get discouraged times of indecision, financial burdens, family conflict. But let me challenge you this morning when you're going through uncertain times, difficult times, to be reminded that how you act in these certain times is more important than the situations themselves. And how you act in these certain situations will reflect what you believe. So, be faithful in uncertain times. Third, way to experience joy through uncertainty is know that God can use any situation for His glory. Know that God can use any situation for His glory. Verses 15 through 18. Paul says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? 
Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So another issue was going on here, besides Paul just being in prison, uncertain about living or dying. While he was in prison, there were some, Paul said, they were preaching with good motives. He says here, from goodwill and love. But there were some preaching with wrong motives. They were preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry, and there's something I want you to notice here. Notice Paul doesn't critique their message. So apparently, their message was okay. It was just their motives that were wrong. Because you, you remember in Galatians, Paul's got these false teachers around stirring up problems. He attacks their message, doesn't he? He said, if, if, if me or an angel or anyone else preaches a gospel other than the true gospel, let them be anathema. Let them be eternally condemned. So he attacks their message, but he doesn't do that here. So apparently the message was fine. It was their motive that was wrong. And in fact, he even makes, makes mention that they're making jabs at Paul. He says, they're thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Now, it doesn't say exactly what they were doing, but they could have been doing a number of things. You know, Paul was pretty popular at the time. Maybe they were trying to one-up Paul. Maybe they were like, hey, I want to be... I want to be the Apostle Paul. I want to be the next main big thing. So they began to criticize Paul, maybe for his poor speaking abilities, like he, he mentions in 1 Corinthians 1, 2, or his constant suffering. We don't know what it is, but we do know it wasn't motivated by love. It was, it, they, they were doing it out of a desire to harm Paul in some way. But does that affect Paul? Does Paul get messed up about it? What does he say? What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Times were rough for Paul, weren't they? In prison, uncertain about what the day would hold, not sure if he was going to live or die, and then he's got these arrogant preachers out there taking jabs at him, from the pulpit while he's in prison. And how does Paul respond? He doesn't condone their motives, but he does say, in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Christ is being proclaimed, and I rejoice in that, is what Paul's saying. God is being glorified by the message that's being preached, and in that, I rejoice. When you go through difficulty, how do you respond? Do you throw your hands up in the air and say, why me, God? What good can come from this? Or do you, like Paul, say, God, what are you up to for your glory? God, be glorified in this. I think if the song was around... When Paul was alive, his favorite song would probably be, In My Life, Lord, Be Glorified, Be Glorified. But Paul would have his own version to the song, wouldn't he? He'd have some more verses to add to that. In these chains, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified. Whether in life or in death, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified. Through the works of these envious, arrogant preachers, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified.
What's your song? What should your song be this morning? In my financial difficulty, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified. Through the loss of a loved one, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified. In my bout with cancer, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified. Know and trust that God can use any situation for His glory. Fourth and finally, experiencing joy through uncertainty, we have to rely upon the prayers of the saints and the provision of the Holy Spirit. In times of uncertainty, rely upon the prayers of God's people and the help of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, yes, and I will rejoice, verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So Paul's strength to continue on in this difficult period in his life came from two sources, human and divine. Let's talk first about the confidence in God's people here. If you've ever wondered, if you've ever asked the question whether or not prayers matter, here's your answer. What encouraged Paul most was the fact that that his brothers and sisters in Christ were lifting him up in prayer. Now, Paul believed and he taught that God is sovereign, that God's will will be accomplished no matter what. But you know what? Paul also taught and he knew that God's sovereign plan incorporates the prayers of his people. I had someone ask me once, Graham, do you believe that God is sovereign? Do you believe his will will come to pass? I said, yeah, I have to. It's what scripture teaches. Then they asked me the question, then why do you pray? Why pray? It's going to happen. And I said, well, for two reasons. Number one, I'm not God, and his word tells me I'm to pray, right? We're told, devote yourselves to prayer. But second, I know that prayer is the God-appointed means through which he works in the world. Prayer is the God-appointed means through which he works in the world. And knowing this, Paul gladly welcomed the prayers of the Philippians because he knew like James in James 5, 16, that effective prayer of the righteous accomplish much. And he knew this kind of prayer would do nothing but yield positive results. So he sought out the prayer of God's people and he also relied upon the provision of the Holy Spirit. That word provision, what it means is this. Get this, this is great. It describes a full and sufficient supply of all that's needed. That's what the Spirit provides us with. A full and sufficient supply of all that's needed. When I think of um, um, you know, something I need, in a, time, a good resource in the time of need, a Swiss Army knife. You know? If I got food in my teeth, pull out the little toothpick, pluck it out. If I get a splinter in my finger, I pull out the tweezers and pick it out. Or I trim, you know, y'all are probably thinking this guy didn't do any kind of hard labor at all. What's this, food in his teeth? 
But I came across when I was when I was looking at uh, when I was looking online. I came across this online, and it's called the Giant. If you're if you're Tim the Tool Man Taylor, you're like, uh, 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 you know, this is the Giant. This is in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most multifunctional pen knife. This has 87 tools. I know y'all are like, I'm getting home today. I'm going to get on eBay. This knife has 87 tools that performs more than 120 different functions. Now, this is definitely a good tool to have with you in any circumstance, right? This is definitely a good resource in your time of need. Paul was comforted to know in the midst of difficulty, he had the perfect resource. The Holy Spirit, who is his sufficient supply for everything he needs. Like I said, he is Paul's source of, of power and protection. Paul knew, I am sealed with the Spirit of God. I am indwelt with the Spirit of God. So no matter what happens, I'm going to continue with God in this life or in the next. In fact, he says here, this will turn out for my deliverance. And some have, some have questioned, well, Paul's thinking of his physical deliverance here, and some say he's thinking of his, his spiritual deliverance. I think he's intentionally vague here. I don't think he knows. I mean, he, he talks about it in the later passages. What's going to happen? You know, should I desire this more or should I desire this more? And then he finally comes down on maybe he's going to be delivered. But here I think he's intentionally vague. Paul wants the Philippians to know whatever happens to me, whether I'm delivered from this prison or maybe I'll, it won't come about and I'll be executed, no matter what happens, I will be delivered. I have the Spirit of God. I'm going to go with God in this life or in the next. What a perspective. And that, and that confidence in the Spirit, that provision that the Spirit gave him empowered Paul to continue to remain faithful in uncertain circumstances. When you're in your time of need, how do you handle it? Maybe some of you are here and you're in a situation that could end up one of, one of two ways. Maybe it's financially, physically, whatever it is. Let me assure you of this, and I don't even have to know about your situation. Two things that you need. The prayer of God's people and the provision of the Holy Spirit. Lightly. We shouldn't. And we don't take it lightly here. We, we have people submit prayers when they're going through difficulty, and I want you... I want to encourage you to do that. I'll be praying for you. Seek out the prayers of God's people, but also rely upon the provision of the Holy Spirit. Many of you know our neighbors, the story of our neighbors. Um, we were very close, uh, grew up together. I mean, not grew up together. We were on the same street and lived. Our girls grew up together. And um, last couple of months ago, they lost their five-year-old daughter, to a brain tumor and it just rocked our world you know our little girls played together and uh, that I, I'll never forget getting that letter again that call I was with Brent eating lunch and uh, it was just an emotionally just draining several days it felt like weeks going through that and we kind of saw them go through highs and lows you know they get some 
sort of news that would give them some sort of hope and then it would just be bad news and just up and down and up and down. Through that uncertain time, I saw this to be true. God's people were lifting them up in prayer and they were relying upon God's help, God's spirit to get through that difficult circumstance and, and, and we saw them just find inner strength and grace for the moment. It wasn't easy. Definitely wasn't easy. But I've seen that since that time get them through day after day after day the prayer of God's people and the provision of His Spirit. Paul could have become depressed, couldn't he? Discouraged, disillusioned. He could have wallowed in his own self-pity and despair. He could have demanded answers from the un- for the uncertainties that he faced. But instead, he saw his imprisonment as appointed by God. He said, I'm put in this situation to fulfill God's greater purpose. And he did not waste his opportunity to make much of God in uncertainty. He never got angry with God, but instead he was grateful for the way God cared for him through the prayers of God's people and the provision of his spirit. Do you have a difficult time accepting your station in life? Financially, physically, emotionally, otherwise? Are you busy yelling, why God, why me? Are you saying, what for God? What are you doing for your glory, for your purposes? Are you saying, what good can come from this God? Are you saying, God, be glorified in this? Are you seeking out the prayers of God's people and the provision of the Holy Spirit? This perspective is the perspective of Paul. And it's to be our perspective, even though it's not easy. But it is the perspective that brings joy. And this perspective is a result of a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You want to be able to see the God side of a bad situation? You want to have the strength to be faithful in uncertain times? You want to have a benefit from the prayers of God's people and the provision of the Spirit? You want to be able to see any situation, look at any situation and and see God's glory in it? Truth of the matter is, we don't know what's going to happen, do we? We don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. But you know what? You can belong to a God who does not live in the realm of uncertainty. Our relationship with God has been broken. It's been severed because of sin. But the good news is, through faith in Christ, through trusting in Him alone, we can have that relationship restored. Although you don't know what your next step will be, the day holds, you know what? God does. And He wants to have a relationship with you so He can guide and direct you in this life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He will make your paths straight. 
If you've never trusted in Christ for your salvation, I pray that you would do so today. Would you pray with me? God, we praise you for the fact that the joy that comes from a relationship with you is not determined by our current circumstances. We praise you for the fact that although we don't know what our next step will be, you do, God. You don't live in the realm of uncertainty and you want to guide and direct us in this life. God, may we faithfully follow you. May the way we respond to uncertainty accurately reflect. Father, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, I pray that they would come to know you. I pray you would do a great work in their heart and life and that they would trust in Christ alone for their salvation. I pray that they would come to experience a joy that's found only in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name.